Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. I want to talk to you about the next day, right? So uh, we just come off of Easter. Everybody was excited. I I call it the hyped event, right? Everybody shows up back to church. It's awesome. It's amazing. Church is full. Everything's going wonderful. And then a lot of people even give their heart to the Lord for the first time. I did. I gave my life to Jesus in Easter of 93. It's amazing. Right down in Stockton. Oh, you got somebody from the 209 is in the building right here. That's right. That Stockton slap as, you know, anyway, okay. So... I'm from there. If y'all watch UFC, you know what that's about. So I'm from there, and I remember Easter is this big event. But I often wonder, what about the next day? I know for me, what I had to do on the next day. I'm gonna, okay, I'll tell you what I had to do on the next day. So I wasn't into church. I was on the. I was playing for the other team, and the next day I had to go throw away a lot of stuff. Come on, mm, I had to clean out a few items. You know what I'm saying? And so the next day was different. But I thought I got to thinking about the next day. I've never met anybody. But if you're in the place, come shake hands with me. Have you ever won the lottery? What's the next day like? I know for me, if I did win the lottery, first I got to play. But if I did and I won, the next day would be car shopping. Somebody say amen. Yes. G-Wagon, here I come. 23s. Ooh, all trunk, no spare. Pastor, what the back of it will say. They can be like, he's a prosperity gospel. Okay, it worked. This is good. Next day. I wonder what it's like for the next day for the NFL draft. I'm a Raiders fan. Bay Area. Okay. I don't care they in Vegas. They will always be from Oakland in my heart. Okay. So, okay. LA. Okay. LA. There we go. All right. So when we got Devontae Adams, I was so excited. I felt like that was draft day. But I thought to myself, what's it like to be this 21-year-old, 22-year-old kid who literally goes from broke to rich the next day like that bank account like you went to the bank account it was like no money you get up the next day and it's just got zero and zero and zero and zero and you're like hey right <laughs> going to gucci versace we live in large now the next day there's so much to be said about the next day well in the the book of luke we're introduced to two men who are on the road to emmaus and it's the next day after jesus resurrected and they're having this conversation And it's crazy. The Bible says Jesus appeared, but they didn't recognize it was Jesus. And they're having this conversation. And he's like, well, tell me again what's going on. And they stop and they go, where have you been? It's the talk of all the town about how they crucified Christ. and all. But it goes on to say at the end of the story, then Jesus opened their eyes and their hearts. And they were so keenly aware of what was going on that they said this, were not our hearts burning on the inside of us? In other words, there was a full revelation. Let me, let me give you something. People only change for one or two reasons. You'll either change because the pain is too much for you to bear and it'll force you to change, or you'll change because God gives you a revelation and you see it differently. So unless you like pain, you need to be praying for a revelation, right? So I haven't met anybody yet who just likes going to the dentist to get your pain on, okay? So you need a revelation, not pain. But you only change for those two reasons, right? Either God reveals it or you just can't bear it no more. Something's got to give. And so he says that the next day their hearts were burning within them and God gives them this revelation. And so I got to thinking as believers, right, whether we have recommitted our life or given our life to Christ for the first time, what's it like for us the next day? There needs to be this change. 
And the Bible says in Colossians, and if you want to open your Bibles, the book of Colossians chapter 2, I'm going to read out of the NIV and then I'm going to share with you from the Living Bible. This is verse 6. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, watch this, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness or gratitude, right? But you are to be rooted in him. Let's take a look at the Living Bible translation of this same verse. It's going to come up on the board. And it says this, And now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Look at this. Let your roots grow down into him and drop nourishment from him. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth that you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all he has done. So I don't know about you, but I love looking up definition of words. I love looking up definition of words, especially going back to the Greek and to the Hebrew, kind of, you know, get myself grounded into what's being uh, spoken or what's transpiring in the text, right? And I went to go look up this word rooted, and man, it's deep, profound, okay? And the Hebrew word for the word rooted is rooted. (laughs) I was blown away. That's a lie. I was so mad. I was like, give me a different concordance. What is the word? So I looked up the word rooted again, and it meant rooted. So one more time. It said firmly rooted. Ah, there we go. Somebody added another word, firmly rooted, right? It's real simple. If you've ever, uh, anybody here like to garden? You like, to, you like your flowers, your plants, your vegetables? You like to garden? There's two of us. The rest of you are going to be really bored from here on out. Okay. It's totally bad. I was expecting like seven or eight into the one person. It's just me and you. We're just going to talk about this. So, so it's just us. Okay. Well, y- well, y'all need to learn how to grow stuff, but not that stuff, because I know we in Cali. <laughs> All right. So I got this, I got this uh, passion vine. It gives a beautiful passion plant and a passion fruit. My mom gave it to me because it came from my grandmother, and this is like 60 years old, right? So it's the same vine we've had in the family. So my mom propagated it. In other words, she cut off a stem and she got it to take a root and she gave it to me. So this time last year is about this big. Now it's about double the size of me. It has just taken off. And and by this time next year, it should produce fruit. It's really an amazing thing. So I took a picture and people who follow me on Instagram, like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. When they found out the story, like, can you make me a clipping? So I'm going over here and I'm like, you got to firmly establish the roots. If you get the root system, then you'll get the fruit system. So we got to get these roots and you have to establish these roots. Why? Because the soil is going to draw from is, you know, it's got to have nutrients and water and sunlight, but everything is dependent upon the what? The roots. If you want to change the fruit, then you need to adjust the roots. So here he tells you, you are rooted in Christ Jesus. You're not rooted in the world. You're rooted in Christ. Everything's got to be Christ. It's Christ. So really watch this. This is so simple. We miss it, right? It really goes back to the beginning of what we were taught from our first parents, Adam and Eve. There was a two tree system. If you think about it, there was a two-tree system. There was the one tree where it was the knowledge of good and evil. And there was an additional tree, what we call what? The tree of life. God said, you can eat from all the trees except from that one. That one. So in other words, you can eat from the tree of life. You can get the apple tree, the cherry tree, the pear tree, the nectarine tree, the peaches tree. I mean, you got trees galore. 
but just don't eat that one. Why? Because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says what? Self-reliance. Not only is it disobedience to God, but it's self-reliance. I can do it my way. If we just took an inventory today of you doing it your way and how that worked out, there'd be a lot of disappointed people here. Remember, you wanted to do it your way, so you bought that car. Now you don't like that car, but it was your way. Yeah, you were determined you were going to date that person. You did it your way. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> the look on your face said it all like, why is he got to talk about who I was dating? That was, I didn't come for that. Okay. <laughs> then you have the tree of life, right? Where you find your dependence on your obedience to God. It's your obedience to God. Life is going to give you plenty of options, but you'll only ever have one choice. Did you catch that? Plenty of options, but you only ever have one choice. So it goes back to the rooted system. And how do we get these deep roots dependent on Christ? Because it's not natural. It's very antithetical. It's very opposite to who we are. Because who we are as the nature of our being is just rebellious people who want to do things the way we want to do things. And we don't like nobody telling us otherwise. Right? And, and remember growing up as kids, the, the number one thing we hated was when you told your parents, like, I don't, why do I have to do that? And they said, because I. You were just like, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? Like, who are you to tell me? And that was it. We don't like being told what to do. And so we find this, it's very, it's very opposite to who we are. But if you're going to grow deep roots in God, then we're going to have to make a choice today to do so. So I've got plenty of things to talk about. We're just going to see how far I get, and we'll just quit when we get there, okay? But the first thing I want to talk to you about is we find ourselves rooted in two basic principles. We have the Great Commission and we have the great commandment, right? The great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? And then we see the other one is about go, go therefore and make disciples, right? Baptize in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, right? So we see this two-pillar system working in our lives. And so what I've done, just to make this simple, is I've just coined a little phrase that we have at our church. It's love God, love people, make connections. That's it. So I've taken those two big pillars and I've just broken it down to a bite-sized piece, that's a piece to where it's palatable for all people. That's a lot of peas. That was hard right there. So I just make it easy for everybody to just talk and have a culture of language, right? So when we talk about loving God and we talk about loving people, we talk about making connections, this is the sum total of who we are at Adventure Church. And I know that's who you guys here at Fountain Church are, right? It's just this simple. But when you take a look at it, there's multiple layers. There's multiple layers to this, right? So we're just going to dive on into the deep end of the pool right from the jump. I want to talk to you about loving God. I want to talk to you about worship, right? Because when we talk about worship, it's so ambiguous, Everybody's got their own little different feel of what worship should be like. If, if we don't, everybody get a praise break and a dance and we really didn't have worship. If I wasn't moved to tears, then what is it really worship? If people weren't kneeling, then it wasn't really worship and all these other things. And really, that's not the case. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you something that I was praying about when I was in the back. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book of Leviticus. You do know in your Bible, there's a book of Leviticus. Are we aware of that? By a show of hands, how many have ever read that book of Leviticus? That's what I thought. Okay, that's good. Okay, so uh, 
I told my worship leader, uh, Jake, I said, hey, bro, I said, I want to I wanna have a Bible reading plan because I want to be like one of them fancy churches and have a Bible reading plan, you know, an adventure Bible reading plan. And I said, so go ahead and, and put this Bible reading plan together. And this is new for our whole church. And the second book of the Bible this guy chooses for the whole church to go through is the book of Leviticus. My wife said, fire him. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So he still works there. He's not fired. And uh, I had to journal. I had to journal. I think it's 28 or 29 chapters. I had to journal all 28 chapters and be like, Lord, what are you speaking to me through this? Chapter 15 of Leviticus. Don't read it. No, don't read it. I'm serious, because, like, how do you explain that to your friends in a group chat? Oh, if you only knew what chapter 15 said, we will move right along. So now you're going to read and be like, ooh, you were in a group chat with that one? That's bad. I had to get up. It was on a Sunday, too. It was, in, it was on a Sunday, and we're all doing the same reading plan. I'm like, chapter 15 of Leviticus. Wow, okay, God, that was interesting. We're going to move right along and not talk about that in church, okay? Women and children are around. We're going to, all right. So we're doing this book of Leviticus, and it's talking about worship, right? Now, follow me. And this is where he gives the instructions. This is really an instructional book to the Levites, Leviticus, to the Levites, on how they're supposed to prepare the temple, clean the temple, set up the temple. When sacrifices come in, this is how you prepare the sacrifice. Now, watch this. I'm going to break this all down. So it says that when you bring in your offering to the Lord, that you are to put it on the altar and what? And you are to set it ablaze. You are to consume it, right, with fire. And it says that the sweet aroma, the smell of that offering goes up to the Lord and is it a sweet smell unto your God. Now, this is interesting because my Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that you are to present yourself now as a living sacrifice. And if you go to Israel, and I was on the Mount Olives, and on the, on the top of Mount Olives, you can see this like chapel, and it's got all these different altars that are up there. You got the Armenian altar, the Coptic Christian, the Greek Orthodox, you see all these altars, and, it, and it's, a, it's a makeshift, a replica of how they would put the sacrifice and how they would burn the sacrifice up because the Hebrew word is oliah. It means to ascend up, to go up. It means how do you get a 2,000-pound animal up into heaven? You burn it, and it goes up in the smoke, and it's a sweet smell. Romans chapter 12, therefore, brothers, I beseech you in view of God's mercies to present yourselves as living sacrifices, not oliah, aliyah, to ascend up. Have you ever noticed the Bible says, who can ascend unto the mountain of the Lord? I will go to the mountain of the Lord. I'll give you another picture of this. Read the book of Jonah. Every time Jonah wanted to be close to God, he had to go up. Every time he was in disobedience, he always went down. He went down to Joppa. He went down to the belly of the well. He went down into the belly of the ship. It's always down. But anytime he wanted to get close to God, he has to come up. So if you want your worship to mean something, you've got to come up. I know some of you don't like to come in here and start clapping. I get it. I know some of you don't want to sing because you sing a little off tune. So do what I do. Stand in the back, 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 back. Where nobody will bother you and you won't bother nobody. Listen, don't come around me. I'm going to sing the wrong lyrics. I'm going to sing off key. And half the time I'm going to make up stuff. It's okay. Even a little bit of tongues coming in out right there. Bam. It's why? Because I want to go up unto where the Lord is. I want my praise to come up. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. 
in your ear. This is that worship. I want to show you a story. This is going to be great. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And uh, check this out. This is Luke chapter 10. And it's going to come up on the board. I want to share this story if we can get to it. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. I don't know about you, but what is it like to host Jesus? Anybody in here like it? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Who are you out there? Cleanliness is next. I love a clean house. I don't have one, but I love a clean house. <laughs> Whoever said girls were cleaner than boys, they lied to you. I got two girls and a son. And right now they're in competition. Who could be filthier? It's great. 21, 20, and 17, and it's a wreck. But I love a clean house. My mama, my mama raised me to have a clean house. My mom is, my mom is so clean, she would vacuum as I would walk in right behind me for straight lines. And you know it's a Mexican house when it smells like bleach and fabuloso. My mom would tell you how clean your house is just by walking in and smelling it. Not clean. <laughs> my wife's laughing. She knows that's true. I felt so bad for my wife. She had to put up my mom. Okay. So... And my mom's like all of five foot three, 110 pounds too. It's great. And so I understand this. Like, what is it like to host Jesus? Like, cause you know, truthfully, we all got that room, you know, where you just kind of throw stuff in the room. You know, it's like when, you know, you're going to host small groups, you got to throw it in the room, but Jesus is coming over. You know, Jesus would be that, that guy who's like, we need to go into that room. Oh man, <laughs> really? So I feel Martha's pain. Martha's like, man, we got to get everything clean. I got to get my best meal. Because you know if you're hosting somebody important, it's the best meal. Your go-to meal. How many know what I'm talking about? Your go-to meal. So she's got all this going on. And she's nervous. And she's probably got some anxiety. She's probably just, you know, got all these feelings and emotions. And so this stuff she probably wants to talk to Jesus about too. So she's feeling this sense of over-responsibility, overwhelmed. Now watch this. And then Martha opens up her home, and she had her sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what Jesus said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked him, look at this, this is great, I love it. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? How many know that's real? Right there, that's real. If you got kids, this is what you hear all the time. Mom, they're not helping. Same thing as you get older, right here, <laughs> right? And then tell her to help me. You ever been in church and that's the truth? You feel like you're doing all the work. You're like, Lord, why are they getting my blessings? Because they ain't done nothing. They're lazy. And yet they the one with the new car, new job, got a boo, everything. And I'm over here working. I ain't got nothing. By the way, any single people in the house, now's the time to raise your hand. Serve the house, find a spouse. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Since I said that. So my wife, my wife posted yesterday, we're doing prayer and fasting because there's nothing like being persecuted and you want to, you know, you got to pray and fast. So she puts this, she does this little video. It's like, you know, come on out. She's so sweet. Prayer and fasting. It's going to be amazing. And so I comment on her thing. I was like, yep, look at that. Prayer and fasting. That's what you get right there. That's how I got her. Prayer and fasting. So I was like, babe, you didn't comment back on my comment. Like I was being sweet. Like. Like, babe, like, help me out here. You know what I mean? She goes, oh, I didn't see it. All right, whatever. All right. Sorry, babe. I get it. Right? So I want you to notice something. I want you to see Jesus' response, right, to Martha. He said, Martha, Martha. 
Now, we got to stop. I don't know how many of you grew up in, in a home where anytime you get the double name, there's a butt whooping coming. Like, like, like my mom doesn't really call me by my real name. And that's a whole long story. But, but to everybody who knows me from home, it's Chopper all day. Even, even when she comments on our social media at the church, I'm like, Mom, you cannot use that name. They don't know who that is, okay? Like, Mom. But anytime my mom would say Anthony Paul, one of three things was going to happen. Number one, there's a shoe coming. The chancla is coming somewhere. I mean, around the corner, from down the street, something. Something's coming. Number two, another object is coming. Frying pan, iron, wooden spoon, hanger. Sounds like abuse. Apparently not in Mexican culture. That's not abuse. That's strong discipline. <laughs> or number three, her and somebody else is coming. <laughs> it's going to be a beat down. So I know what's coming. He says, Martha, Martha. This is to warn the reader, you ain't going to like what I'm about to tell you. Let's go in. He says, you are worried and upset about many things. I wonder if that's true for you today. The moment you got up, you were plagued with worried. My job, are we really going to be able to do this vacation now? What about a family member who's sick? Right? What about this coworker who's on the last nerve that you have? Right? The marriage that just, we thought we were getting better, but now we took two steps back. The child who is more stubborn than anything you've ever imagined in your entire life. Right? That you just want to blame it on a demon. Now you don't even want to blame it on each other's spouses. You just, it's a demon for sure. Like, I mean, I knew when I married you, you was bad, but you weren't that bad. Right? Honey, I don't know where this comes from. It's all true. This is so true. But you're worried and you're upset about many things. But look at his answer. But few things are needed. This is this, or indeed, what's he say? One. Mary has chosen what is what? Better. And it will not be taken away from her. Can I give you perspective? Let me give you perspective. So I'm in what people will classify as the fight of my life. So we've been in court for a year and three months. And on not this previous Thursday, but the one before 10 days ago, we walked into City Hall and the city voted to take my building. Um, they voted four to three. And we must have had 100 people from our church represent and speak. It's all online. You could watch it if you wanted to. And they literally voted to not just pay $1.7 million more than what we're paying, but to protect the owner who literally made a backdoor deal. And they protected him by the word is called indemnification. In other words, they're just going to open up the checkbook and pay whatever they need to pay for our retribution and just everything. So they're protecting, okay, I won't lie to you because you're going to hear it. They're protecting the man that we've nicknamed Judas. And so... It was the only name I could think of. I mean, just, it just came to me, okay? And so this is like really, really, that was harsh though, huh? That was harsh. I'm like, nobody names their kid that, okay, sorry. Forgive me, Lord. I feel like I'm in confessional with you sitting on the front row now. <laughs> White pants and all. I just like, sorry, Father, I've sinned. And I don't know, you know? I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, he's giving me those eyes like he's my parents right now. So anyway, so, 
You too. It is even worse when I got to see you. Okay. So if you, if you, if you don't know this yet, Matt's long lost sister is my wife. They're exactly identical. Like, all right. Anyway, now I feel like I'm in therapy. Okay. So I've got, I've got all these problems, right? So now their whole goal is to basically bankrupt me. Right? So I got all this weight. But here's the thing. Now it's affecting every taxpayer in Fresno. Because the only way you can pay for this and the only way you can indemnify is all the taxpayers got to pay for it. So there ain't a place I can go. Since that council meeting last Thursday, so for 10 days, there's not been a place I've been able to go except here where I don't get stopped and people go, hey, you're that guy. So I'm not going to lie to you. I just started lying to people. Nope, another Mexican looked just like me. It ain't me. (laughs) Never met the guy. (laughs) It's just been brutal. But two weeks ago, Two weeks ago, my assistant pastor, his wife is one of our worship leaders, and he's one of our assistant pastors. Two weeks ago, they came up to me, and they said, hey, um, my mom's got cancer. She has stage 4A lymphoma. I mean, this this is it. The doctor says, if you respond to chemo, we'll give you a year, and if your body rejects it, we'll give you months. And so when we lost the council vote, we immediately called 40 days of prayer and we're in there praying and her and her mom come into prayer and I was over here having a little complaint fest. You know, you ever had that with the Lord? Like there's no gratitude. It's just straight complaining. Like, you know, what are you doing? Why can't we work this out? (laughs) Like I've served you all these years. You know, you start trying to like guilt God into something. I've served you all these years and this is what I get, <laughs> right? And then, and then you go from guilt to like calling down, like stri- strike them, almighty smiter, get them. You know what I mean? Like you start doing old King James to see if it's more effective and get him. Where's the death angel when you need him? I like the old Testament, dang it, you know? So <laughs> I'm, having this, I'm having this whole good time with the Lord and, and the seat in front of me is my worship leader and her mom and... She's not, she's not receiving the chemo well. And she's got one hand up. And I just was like, I've got problems. But they've got problems. Like, it hit me. She's going to watch her mom die. And she's going to bury her. And all my problems, I don't know how to explain it to you, but I love them. And all my problems just seem to get refocused. And I hugged my wife a little tighter. And I went home to my kids and just was like, nah, court is court and money is only money. It just, it just, there's just one thing left to do. And it's worship. And I, and, and, and I get it. This morning was rough. And what you're going through is rough and your heart is broken and, and things aren't going as planned. I get that. I do. And, and, and I know it's just, it's even a struggle just to get here and to, and to lift a hand and worship. And, but Jesus said, what Mary has what? Chosen. You're going to have many options, but what did you choose? What she has chosen is so much better. Can I show you a promise? And it will not be taken from you today. 
when you choose to posture yourself with the only fighting stance you have left, with the only breath you have in your lungs, which is right here, and you choose this, Jesus said, even in the presence of your enemies, I will prepare a table and they will not be able to take it from you. Worry cannot rob you. A thief cannot steal it from you. Doubt cannot come in. When you choose this position, this is believer. This is how you fight your battles. This is how you get to the throne room. This is when Jesus says, in your weakness, I am made strong. And right here is where I give you that next battle plan. I sustain you. I lift you up on eagle's wings right here. I will not take this from you this is our promise the eagle's wings and the shadow of the almighty this is it right here but why do we fight it why do we fight it when this is it for us right here fountain fam this is it and you know what happens i find myself wanting to control it Like, I want to set the agenda with God. Well, I need to put on my favorite song, as if God's moved by my favorite song. (laughs) You ever thought about that? Well, that's my song for worship. They're all his songs, if they're glorifying him. You're just trying to work yourself up. Right? But he wants that heart, that heart of worship. And that's what I realized. Today... You do. You got problems. I agree. I understand. I empathize. But he gave me a promise. He gave me a promise that the devil can't take away. Only I can rob myself. So here's what I'm going to transition to. Just in the next few minutes. So I know that you have small groups coming up. And I want to talk about my friend here because one of the principles we live by is we need to make a connection. It's going to come up on the board. We're going to make a connection. I want to show you something that maybe maybe you've missed. Maybe you haven't, but maybe you have. And I'm going to show you through the life of Paul, this second Corinthians. I believe it's chapter 6, if we can go to it. Just something I saw the other day when I went through the book of Corinthians. It said, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. You ever felt like that? You went to sleep, but you woke up tired? Yeah. That ever happened to anybody? No rest for your heart pressed on every side, right? Like nothing's working out. Check this out. There was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. Let me give you perspective. Battles on the outside. I know, I, 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 I get that. Woke up to a text on Saturday. Hey, they made another cartoon out of us in the largest newspaper in Fresno. Oh, that's great. So I went to go buy the paper. Didn't realize, no, I'm on the front page for something else, but I'm online for something different. Oh, that's great. That's great. I know that battle on the outside. But then there's the fear on the inside. Did you know the devil's always the first one here and the last one to leave? Because all he does is wait for an opportunity, an opportune time, the Bible says. And he'll whisper in your ears the seeds of doubt. That word's not for you. You're okay. Never forget the devil is a loser and he's a liar. He's just not a quitter. He will always strike at an opportune time, starting at the last place of victory. He just comes in. And so I know, hard-pressed, and then there's that fear. Anthony, what if you lose? You're going to look like an idiot. Idiot. 
You don't think I hear that? That's the loudest voice. And I get people tell me, well, you're at your Red Sea. I'm at my Red Sea. I'm camped out at the Red Sea. Only thing that's parting is my hair right now, man. Come on. You're fighting your Goliath. I hit him and he came back up. He's like, he done multiplied. I got like five Goliaths now. It's like, what happens when those Bible stories don't work? Then like, oh no, right? I get it. The fear on the inside. This, the only time I get excited. But God, comma. What Paul is saying is, sit right there for a minute and let me smack you upside the head with the biblical truth and show you something. You got conflict on every direction. You got battles on the outside. You got fear on the inside. But God has not had the final say-so over your situation. He said, but God who encourages those who are discouraged. So I've got good news. If you walked in feeling anxiety, you're going to walk out with the peace of God that transcends all understanding. If you walked in discouraged, you can walk out encouraged because but God is going to insert himself into your situation. He says, but God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of who? Titus. Have the whole worship. Is the whole worship team here? Is it not the whole worship team? It's just me and you? Let's go. I'll jump on the drums and sing at the same time, bro. I'm ready. You don't want me drumming either. That was a lie. Okay. It's a beat, though. Off beat. So I was thinking about this, right? So I was thinking about this. Out of all the things Paul could have said, hard-pressed, crushed, but not destroyed, broke down, but not abandoned. You guys know that one too, right? All these things he says, he could have said, and God hooked me up with the winning lottery numbers. Well, I ain't complaining though, just for the regular, I ain't complaining, I ain't complaining. But he could have said, and God sent a messenger to come and have a conversation with me. You know, like an angel. He didn't. He said, when God saw me at my lowest point, when I was going to throw in the towel, when I was going to give up, I was going to call it quits, I was walking away, I was done. He sent me a friend. Did you catch that? He sent me a friend. This has been a hard three months. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I literally have walked through the hardest three months. In December, we were coming off a beautiful, wonderful Christmas Eve service where one of the best saxophone players in all of California, let alone Fresno, came up on our Christmas Eve service, Joe. Oh, Joe. And him and my daughter did this duet with Silent Night. It was, I was a baby, I was a wreck. My mom was crying behind me, I was crying. I mean, it was just, it was good. It was a good cry though, good cry. Just so proud of my daughter, so proud of Joe Silva. I mean, it's incredible. I didn't know three weeks later he'd be killed. Do you know what it's like to go to a grieving widow who just found out her husband was killed because of a senseless driver? And I ain't got no words. I had to bury my friend Joe. I was like, God, that ain't fair. He walked away from the world and all these gigs and the one and only time he ever played for you, he was killed three weeks later. I'll be the first one to tell you, that ain't fair. Like, man, it ain't fair. That's all I can say. Now I got to do the funeral. I don't want to do the funeral. I want to cry. Like, you know, I got to go up there and be strong. That was rough. Oh, gosh, it was so hard. Hard. Then this whole thing, 
to watch this person backstab me, slander me in front of the media. I called your pastor, had some issues with the family, just all sorts of stuff. You know why we turn to other things? It's because we self-medicate. It's not the outward distractions that are going to destroy you. It's the inward dysfunctions. And you got to know you. You got to know when you're going down, you're going down that rabbit hole. So I called my friend and I said, I need you to pray for me. And I just confessed my heart. I got this and I got that and I got this and I got that and no judgment. Just ears that listened. Not a voice of condemnation, but a voice of reconciliation. Do you have that? Because I want that for you. Yeah, it's scary. You know, sometimes church folk like to gossip and kick you when you're down. But when you find a day one and you find a real friend, it's different. That's what we have. It's lonely as pastors. It really is. And we're able to call. And I'm able to say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Like, I'm able to share these things within my heart that if I don't share, the enemy's gonna have an open door of opportunity to wreak havoc in my life. I want that for you. That's small groups. That's the connection I'm talking about. And that's what we offer here. Life on life. And here's the really cool part. Don't, don't tell too many people this though, okay? Our secret. This is a church for the rest of us who don't have it together yet. That other church down the street, they got it together, okay? Not here. So we're gonna love you where you're at. Gonna be able to call and you're gonna live this verse right here. When you were ready to give up, you were able to call a friend. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Because I sense that. From COVID to the things that have happened from COVID to the, just our disconnection from living our lives a little separate, it's time to come back together because we're better together. And it's time now. We wanna, we wanna be involved in your lives. That's what pastoring is. It's not always correction, but sometimes it's just encouragement. It's a shoulder to cry on, an ear to listen, and someone for prayer. We want that. Thank you again for tuning in to The Fountain Podcast where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love Him deeply, and follow Him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.